0: <clears throat> she never thought she would be this alone. See, she grew up, and, uh, and growing up, she, she had lots of friends. She grew up in a little rural area, small community, tight-knit, very religious. They held their traditions very strongly. Tradition was very, very important. Religion was important. And so it just was natural. She played with her friends and thought about one day, I'm going to be married. One day I'm gonna find that guy and, and we are gonna have a life together. We're gonna to have a family together. And so it was. She had a wonderful celebration of her wedding. Her friends were there supporting her, and it was it had to have been the best day of her life. But it didn't work out. Separation occurred, and it seemed like the life that she dreamed of was shattered. She was blamed. And so now she'd walk around town. People would see her in different areas where people hang out. And, and they wouldn't give her kind looks. They wouldn't be supportive of her. It wasn't the same bright faces on her wedding day that were like, this is so good, we celebrate. It, it, was, it was angry stares. It was, it was whispered words. She knew they were talking about her. She knew they had words for her that we can't share in church. She knew these things were being said about her, and it just broke her up. What was she going to do to fill the void of friends that don't support her? She was alone. So she found another guy. And then she found another guy. And another guy. And this was a cycle that continued to happen. And, and, and she tried to fill this, this void with a male presence that just never seemed to do the trick. And so as the cycle continued, so did the words against her. And they got uglier and uglier words. Most of the time people wouldn't always voice them, they would just kind of look and she would know that what they were thinking was those things that she's heard so many times. And so even in her newest relationship, she felt very, very, very alone. One day she 's hanging out at a place where all the locals drink she 's hanging out there just just alone. <laughs> nobody's with her, and she meets another guy. this guy's different because you 've got to understand in her community I, I i'd say i'd say the race thing is important in her community, okay again very traditional, very religious, they have all the trappings of religion but but in her community. The race thing was very important, and she was in the minority race. And so that played out. And so in in this area she was hanging out, having a drink, a stranger comes in, she'd never seen the person before, he's in the majority race, and she's thinking, what's going to go down here? And he comes up and he actually speaks to her. Not used to that, being the minority race. And, And he's talking to her, and she doesn't know what to make of that. He asks a question. He just says, "Hey, can you get me a drink?" And and you know, you, when there's racial tension, you, you kind of you kind of are on your guard. You know, you're kind of you're you're kind of on the edge of your seat. That's just that's just the way it goes. She's that experience with with people from that culture and that race, and so she's a little snippy, maybe, and says, "Who, who are you asking me for a drink? Why why are you talking to me?" And then he totally turns the tables around and just shocks her. And, and he says, if you knew who was asking you for a drink, you would ask me, and he would have given you living water. Living water. Living water. And so she's, she's trying to put the pieces together in her head. Uh, is this a charlatan? You know, is this a salesperson? Is this a salesperson? town to town. I got some living water. You'll never thirst again. And so, and so she's trying to figure this out in her head. And and yeah, yeah, give me, give me some of that water. I want some of that water while I'll never thirst again. And, And then he says, okay, good, go call your husband. And, and certainly he said that because, because, uh, you know, just to finalize this transaction, whatever this deal is, whatever he's going to give her, whatever bottle he's going to pull out and give to her, you know, you have to make sure this, this looks good and not immoral, looks clear, you know. And so bring your husband and we'll finish this up. And uh, she says, I have no husband. And he says, you're absolutely right. You've had five. And the guy you're with now is not your husband. And now, she's shocked. She's shocked. And so she says, you're a prophet, aren't you? And so they talk some more, and she's thinking, well, since I've got a prophet in front of me, since I've got a prophet like right here, let's settle, settle an age-old question. Where are you really supposed to worship? Because my people, the minority race, we worship Mount Gerizim. That's where we do our business, with, with the Lord. Maybe with Zeus too sometimes but um with the lord (laughs) and and uh but you guys say it's got to be jerusalem that's where you got to worship that's the real place and the prophet doesn't play those games and he says it's not about location doesn't matter if you worship here down the road this mountain that mountain it's about heart it's about worshiping in spirit and truth it's about who you are not the location you're in shocking shocking conversation ends and she just has to tell people she just has to tell people so she goes back to town and all those people that have been shunning her all those people that were against her she just starts telling them i met this prophet i think it's the christ the messiah you they wrote about him in the old testament and 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 now he's here and you got to meet him because he told me everything he just laid it out And so, the town met this prophet, this quote-unquote Christ. And many discovered and believed that he really was who he said he was. Downtown Chicago, a man's holding flyers in his left hand, microphone in his right hand on the corner of State Street in Randolph. Years standing at that corner. Years. Flyers in his left hand, microphone in his right hand. He preaches. Angry sermons against sin, against the drunkards and against the smokers and against the sexually immoral. He preaches. Flyers in his left hand, microphone in his right hand. Gives it to people corner of state street and randolph over a decade gets up in the morning puts his suit on grabs his brochures grabs his microphone heads downtown in the 10 years that i saw him not 10 years let me rephrase that in the three and a half years i saw him on that street corner every single day because i worked down there i don't think i ever saw him engaging in a conversation with a person I'm not the judge. And I wasn't there to see every, every time he was on that street corner. I didn't see it all, okay? So I can't speak for all the other times when I wasn't down there. But every time I walked by that street corner, which was Monday through Friday, regularly, I never saw him talk to anybody, but I always heard sin. I always heard drinking, smoking, sexual immorality, homosexuality. I always heard those sins. It was the same ones every time I walked by. Maybe around three thirty—that's what, what the sins came up in the schedule. You know, I don't know, I don't know. Brochures in the left hand, microphone in the right hand. He's preaching. I'm in Chicago last year, just for a little getaway over a holiday. Downtown, went downtown there. He's still there. Ten years later, he's still there. Different corner. He's still there. And I don't know if I am more troubled by the fact that he's faithful in proclaiming something that I'm not always faithful to proclaim to everybody. Or I don't know if I'm more annoyed. So I don't know if I'm more annoyed at me or if I'm more annoyed at him because every time I walk by, I hear judgment, judgment, judgment. And I don't hear Jesus' name and I don't hear life and what you're supposed to do about the problem. I don't know. And maybe he gets to that. Maybe that's 4 o'clock if you stick around. I don't know. I don't know what to do with that. But I do know that this culture, like so many cultures, are open to talking. Just have a conversation. Talk to me. Explorers are who God has called us to be when it comes to sharing our faith. We're called to be explorers. We're going to talk about four roles this month that you can take with a person in order to share the gospel with them and share the hope that you have. The first one is explorers. And explorers, they, they don't assume things about people. And this is in your notes and your bulletin. Explorers, enter and discover. That's what it, Explorers do. There's a typo on the notes. When they were printed, uh, it says like DCF and all, all these different uh, letters. Sorry about that. I, I actually know the alphabet, just so you know. Um, just, just how they print it on the computer. <laughs> I did go to kindergarten and I did get through it, so, um, just so we're clear on that. Um, would you go to John chapter 4 before we say anything else? Uh, grab a Bible, go to John chapter 4. If you're using a pew Bible, um, then you're going to go to page 752. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John's the fourth gospel. When you get to the four guys' names, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you know you're in the right area for Jesus' life. John's extremely accessible, I think, for um, new believers and people that are seeking. I once heard a guy say about John. Someone gave him a Bible, and he used uh, the pages of the Gospel to roll up his uh, his drugs that he was smoking. Okay, and uh, he would read the he would read the page first, and then rip it out and use it to to smoke. He says, "I smoked through Matthew. I smoked through Mark. I smoked through Luke. I got to John, and John smoked me." Um, so <laughs> there you have it. There you have it. <laughs> John chapter four, John chapter four, Um, verse four. Now he, Jesus, had to go through Samaria, so they're traveling. They're on the road, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given his sons. Joseph, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It's about the sixth hour, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Different race. Um, the Samaritans are like half Jews, mixed breed in a sense. That's why they look down on them. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone to town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews don't associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is to ask you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water explorers don't assume explorers enter and discover now they have this conversation and i've already talked about their conversation at the beginning of the message Um, i want to show you what the disciples do when they see jesus because they didn't hear the whole conversation the disciples have been going into town to buy food the woman's at the well outside of town the disciples come and see what what's been happening here Jesus is talking to a woman, which is a cultural no-no. He's talking to a Samaritan. Again, culturally you don't do that. These people are lower than us. And he's talking to an immoral woman. I don't know if they knew that at the time, but she was at the well at noontime, which is the heat of the day. You didn't go to the well at that point. She's probably being shunned by her friends. As the disciples catch up in verse 27, the disciples returned I'm in verse 27. Disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking to her? Disciples. They got food for Jesus like he told them to. They walk up and they see Jesus talking with a woman. But no one's brave enough to say, what are you doing? Now maybe they just didn't want to get pulled into the conversation, you know? Like, Okay, you're going to talk to this woman. She's Samaritan. We don't do that. I'm just going to leave you to it, Jesus. Go for it. You know, um, or, or maybe they were just shocked and they didn't want to be rude and they wanted to respect their teacher and not question what he was doing. <clears throat> if the disciples went to draw water at that well and Jesus went into town to get food, do you think the disciples would have talked to her? Oh, no. No. The assumption that they would have made is, Samaritan, woman, she's alone, probably for a reason. We're not talking to her. Forget it. And and see, this is the problem we have. I mean, I'm I'm like the disciples. It's a human condition that a lot of us, when we talk to people, we assume things. I don't think they want to be bothered with the Jesus talk. I know the kind of person that they are, the kind of life that they live, and I know if I bring this up, they're just going to think I'm probably judging them, and I'm going to talk about sin. They're not even going to know what sin is, and, and then we got to get specific examples of sin. That's awkward. Uh, they don't want to hear this. We assume things. But explorers don't assume. They enter and they discover. They, they, they care about the wilderness of someone else's soul, Okay. The journey that they're on, and they say, "I got to know your story. I got to know what's going on with you. How do people treat you when you were in the church for a while? Why are you so against God right now? I got to know what's going on with you." Here, here's the issue though, with exploring, and this is number one, Um, or maybe number two. Let's see. Yeah, number one. Explorers are challenged by sound barriers. They're they're challenged by four sound barriers. I want to talk about two of them this week and two of them next week. Sound barriers. Um, So so if you're an explorer, you want to talk to the person on this side, but there's this invisible barrier here. We all know it's here. Okay? And we can can tap on it, we can feel it. And the barrier is, uh, first of all, are we going to get into a conversation with this person at all? Hi, how's the weather? Hi, my name's Niall. How's it going? Um, you have kids? You have kids in sports? I'm on the soccer field. Which kid is yours? Who are you cheering for out there? See, I've got to say something to get it started, though. And I'm probably watching my kid play soccer, and I'm cheering for him, so am I talking to them? Maybe not. But th- there's, an, there's an invisible sound barrier here And I've got to break through that if I'm going to have any sort of significant conversation. It's got to start somewhere. And so I've got to break through this barrier. Now, let's say you start talking about the weather, or your kids, or their kids, or whatever you got in your mind. The Packer game last night, uh, your favorite basketball team, you're watching the Brewers, you know, you're talking about how they did, you know, Um, maybe you're talking now. But now you're in an awkward spot, because you'd like to get further, and maybe you've talked ten times in the past, and, and you get stuck right here between two walls. Barrier number one, easy. You got through that one. Every time you see them, you can get through barrier one. But now you've got barrier number two. If you're claustrophobic right now, you're, you're just freaking out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's, there's two barriers here. And the second barrier seems to be much harder, at least it is for me, Unless I start talking about the fact I'm a pastor, then it kind of leads easier into spiritual stuff. But um, the second barrier is, how do I go from the brewers to Jesus? Jesus is a brewers fan, obviously, so that's an easy one, right? Here we go. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, so you're stuck here, and you've got to get over here. So I, let's just be honest. These are sound barriers. And it's hard being in this spot in between barriers. I don't know which one's harder for you. Sometimes for me, it's just the first one of, I just don't care. I'm here for another reason. I came here to watch my son play soccer. I don't care what your son's doing, right? And, and that's, that's wrong of me is what I'm saying. Hopefully you get that. It, I should care about other people more than what I sometimes do. Some days I'm more selfish than others. Amen, right? This is, this is the way we are. And uh, But if I can get through that barrier... I find it's a little easier then to get into the spiritual talk, you know, but but it's that initial conversation that sometimes I struggle with. That's just me personally. I don't know which one it is for you. I would imagine for a lot of people the harder part is actually transitioning through the second barrier and bringing up spiritual things. Because then you're getting into the territory of the soul. You're going into the wilderness as an explorer and you want to hear their story, okay? Jesus says, can you get me a drink? Okay, that's a tool that he uses, and, and it's just normal water. He's just talking about water. But then you see him transition into living water. Now that I've got your attention and we're talking, let's talk about something even a deeper need than your own thirst. Let's talk about the fact that you've got this void and you've been filling it with men, and what you really need is what I have to offer life, true life, living water, a relationship with me, the Savior, your Creator. And he transitions into spiritual territory. He's still exploring, though, remember? Because he hasn't even gotten, at the point he's talking about living water, he hasn't even gotten to the fact that she has all of these husbands. And she's with a guy right now that she's not married to. He hasn't even gotten there yet. But they're talking. They're just talking. He's exploring her life. Now, I know what you're going to say. He's Jesus. He's omniscient. He doesn't even need to ask questions. I get it. I know. But you're talking with an omniscient person that's relating to someone who is very finite, you know. (laughs) And and so he's going to reach you at your own level, right? And we don't have the ability to just know where someone's at. So we don't assume we enter and discover Jesus didn't have to assume anything because he knew. What do you do to break through these barriers then? How do we get through them? And I want to talk about two tools then. Just super practical. You see Jesus doing it here. Let's let's use it. The first tool of the explorer is listening. Listening. You just got to hear the story. You just got to hear him talk. A lot of times... We think evangelism is, uh, it's me knowing that you're an unbeliever, you're going to hell, and i got to tell you the answer. And that's all there is to evangelism. But evangelism, as we see in John chapter 4, is more than that. i got to care not about only the what. The what is that they're an unbeliever going to hell. That's the what. i got to care about the who also. Who are they? Where have they been? What's their life experiences like? Just, just, I just need to hear them out. And yeah, that means we've got to have a deeper conversation than just the weather. As crazy as that is, um, uh, the weather is wonderful to talk about all the time because someone told me the other day that you get snow on July 4th up here. And, you know, don't talk about that anymore, you know? Let's talk about spiritual things, right? Because that's ungodly. (laughs) Um Yes. Uh, first tool of the Explorer is, uh, is listening. Now, I've given you four things you should listen for when, when you're hearing them talk. You have them in your notes. You're listening for common ground. Jesus is thirsty. The woman's thirsty. Common ground. Well, what are we here at this well for? You're getting water. I'm getting water. Let's talk about that. Okay? You like the brewers? I like the brewers. Let's talk about that. You got grandkids? I got grandkids. Let's talk about that. Common ground. Not that I actually have grandkids, by the way, but you know what I'm saying. (laughs) Um, You're listening for uh, windows into the soul. You're listening for them to say something that exposes who they are, what they're dealing with, what they're struggling with. What's the big problem in their life right now? And it might not have anything to do with Jesus, even though we know it has to do with Jesus. But, but for them, it might just be, my marriage really stinks. And we know that's also a spiritual problem, but for them, they're just saying marriage is rough. For her, it was, I'm not married. And, and she, she didn't expose much of her soul right there, which is why it's nice to have an omniscient prophet talking to you, that he can pull that out. I, I wish I had the discernment of some of you that I've, I've spoken to where you could just see things sometimes in people that I don't see. Windows into the soul. And she gave Jesus a couple cracks in the window, and he just pulls the window wide open. You've had five husbands, and the one you're with now is not. Man, you know, open the window up. Let's take a look at that. What's going on there? Uh, the next one is unmet needs. Unmet needs. They're probably going to talk about things that are going wrong. That kind of goes with the windows of the soul, you know. Life is broken right now. This is what's going on in my life, you know. Anybody could have a broken life, Christian, non-Christian, but, but the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is the Christian has the resource of the Holy Spirit to walk through them with that, and the church to walk through them with that, and, and the non-Christian doesn't have the Lord. So imagine walking through the pain you've walked through, but without the Lord. So you're going to hear unmet needs. You're going to hear it. And then lastly, traces of the spirit you know if if you can connect some dots in people's lives like this happened to you that happened to you it sounds like god's bringing you on this path to show you something here what if god's trying to show you this and you, you just look for little traces of the spirit i tell you what um, this doesn't have to do necessarily with evangelism I, I think it does though but but in a maybe in a looser way tuesday um i was mm. I was talking to a missionary for lunch, and we were talking about, uh, we both went to Moody Bible Institute, so we were sharing about professors that we had in Chicago, and we shared about one of our favorites, my Greek professor. He had him too, and he's like, that's just a fantastic guy. And then we said, I wonder what he's doing nowadays. I don't know what he's doing. Well, okay. So I go back to the office, and just on a whim. I thought, I'm going to look him up real quick. I'm going to Google him and see what he's up to. He's still teaching. And then I saw a sermon that he had done in Louisiana. And I, again, on a whim, I just listened to it. You know, I was working on other stuff, but kind of as, as a background to my other stuff I was doing. Yes, I'm a man. I can multitask. Mark it down. I was, I was listening to the sermon and, uh, and kind of doing some other things and just, just hearing his voice again, you know, just hearing his voice. He has a strong southern accent. I love it. Just hearing that voice. He's preaching Psalm 90. Psalm 90 is on death. Later that night, I get a call that Kathy Votis' husband, Richard, passed away. And I'm going, huh. And I was able to share that story with the family. And we talked about how God prepares us. I talked with the family about how God prepares us for the difficult things he's going to walk through with us. He prepares us. And so... He does that to me, and I get it, I'm a pastor, but He does it to all of us. And so you're talking to somebody, and you want to hear, you want to you listen for their journey. Where's God taking them? They don't even believe yet, but if God's drawing them, He's been working. He's been keeping them up at night thinking about things. Okay. Second tool you can use. First one's listening. Jesus heard this woman's story. He just listened. Second tool of the Explorer is questions. Questions. Now, Jesus didn't ask a lot of questions because, let's face it, he knew, I don't have the gift of omniscience, i got to ask questions. You don't have the gift of omniscience, you got to ask questions too. It'd be pretty cool to walk up to somebody and just say, know what you did last night. You know, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but, but we don't have that gift. At least, you know, unless it's a prophetic gift that you have that I don't know about. Maybe you do have a gift like that, but I don't. I got to rely on questions. I think the only question in this text is Jesus saying, "Would you give me a drink?" And she's like, "Why are you asking me for a drink?" Uh, but but we got to rely on questions to have conversations. Let me let me tell you that questions are like like roadmaps. You want to go into the territory of someone's soul you're going to have to ask questions. If you want to be an explorer and not assume things about people, you're going to have to enter in, explore, and you use questions to go in. Questions are like your road map. Okay? I was going to say, um, I, I had the worst analogy ever for this. I just got to tell you because it's so good. Um, women are going to love this. But I'm preaching to the men on this analogy. I was going to say, I was going to say um, asking questions is like asking for directions at the gas station. But that's a terrible analogy. No, the women amen with that, right? But the men don't. Men, it's like a road map. It's not like asking for directions. It's like it's like that person's a map, and you're walking into their territory, and you want to know where you're going. And so you ask questions to see where you're at on the map. All right. Uh. When you ask questions, you can ask questions about their past, their present, and their future. Okay, what'd you like to do growing up? What was life like? What was your family like? You ask questions about the present. Done anything fun recently? See any movies? But what I've given you in your notes, hopefully, is some questions that are those spiritual um, um, change. You know, the, the, the spiritual transitions that you want to have. Okay, so I'm trying to give you some questions. That, that, are, that are deeper than just how the brewers are doing, because I think you can figure those out. Sometimes it's harder to get into the spiritual ones. So here's some spiritual questions that explore the past, the present, the future. What was your religious background like as a child? Okay? Did you go to Sunday school? The, the one I hear so often, I just heard it recently, is, I've heard it, I have heard it twice last week. I was exploring twice last week, and I, and I heard... I heard the same answer twice from two different people. I grew up in a religious background, and I found out those people are huge hypocrites. Heard it twice. That's depressing. You know, it's depressing. But, you gotta know that going into it. You gotta know that. Uh, what have you tried in your spiritual journey since? So, you had a bad experience. Church is full of hypocrites. There, there's, there's a need for God, though, that I believe we all have. So can, what, what have you tried to fill that spiritual need that we all have? Oh, well, I just walked away from it all and I haven't really thought about it. But now that you mention it, maybe I should think about that. Okay, You're asking questions to get at the answer of our deep spiritual need and the journey that they're on. You ask questions about the present. Uh, how has your search left you feeling? If they say I have tried different things, h- how'd it go? What do you feel like now? Do you think that the church is the same way now as it was when you were a kid? Had you tried different churches and tried to find one where they're where they're passionate about Jesus, maybe a little bit more than what you experienced growing up? Do you currently go to a church or have any spiritual experiences in my life? I love that's an easy one, right? I'm a pastor. I love asking people that. You go to church anywhere? He's a pastor. Of course, he's going to ask me that, right? Um, they just expect that, but but. Even though going to church doesn't make you a Christian, right? We all know that. Like being, being in the garage doesn't make you a car. We get that. Um, being McDonald's doesn't make you a Happy Meal. Um, uh, we understand that. But when you ask the church question, what you're getting at is, are you seeking this God at all? And if they say, I don't go to church anywhere. Do you have a Bible? Did you read that at all? You don't have to go to church to experience God. No, I don't, I don't read the Bible either. See, now you're getting at where they're at right now. The future. Yes, questions about their future. I, I, I love this one. I've used this one many, many times. Do you think you're moving towards God, away from God, away from God, or staying about the same? I love asking that one when, um, when, I, got the, when I got the task of talking to a, a couple in premarital counseling, and like one of them say, one of them's not, and I got to find out about that one that's not because that's going to be a problem, you know, that they're unequally yoked, says Paul in, in the Corinthian letter. Um, I've got to find out, are they walking towards him, away from him, or are they staying the same? And they got to make up their mind, because that's going to affect if I'm going to say yes, if I'm going to do their wedding or not. Um, so I use that one a lot. Um, and then, are you open to talking more about spiritual things? That's the other one I love talking about a lot, because it takes the pressure off of, like, the moment, like, we got heavy right now. Maybe it's a little bit awkward, but do you want to go further? Or not? If they say, no, I'm not really open, okay. If they are open, you take them to Deja Brew, you take them to Lates, you know, up in Eagle River, wherever you want to go, your favorite coffee place um, or or your favorite lunch spot, and you talk. You buy them lunch, you buy them coffee, and you talk. (laughs) So, this month, we're spending the month looking at different ways we can engage in conversations with people. And I just want to challenge you right now to go exploring this week. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, um, is to go exploring this week. And I, I'd, love, I'd love to just take five minutes in the next sermon and, and hand you the microphone and say, what happened, how'd it go? You don't have to give me names. How'd it go? You, all you do is go Exploring. Just ask them questions, even if it's just about simple things. And then next time you see them, you'll go a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper. You know, It's not that we have an agenda. I realize people here might not believe in Jesus, and they're hearing me talk about Jesus like this, and you go, oh, you just want to get to your agenda. I, I do want to talk about my agenda because I know people are lost and going to hell, and I care about that. We talked about that last week. But it's not about my agenda. It's about me caring about that person. It's about me caring about the person. Because if they get saved, it's not that I just get to pat myself on the back and say, I'm a good pastor now. I know that. No, it's about a sinner who's now spending eternity with Jesus. That's something to care about. And if I care about their soul and where it's going in in the afterlife, I should care about what they're going through right now. Okay? We've got to go exploring, figure out that person's story. Story's powerful. How long did it take you to realize who I was talking about when I first started this sermon? Any of you get it like right away? First couple words? A couple of you got it? Okay. A few of you took a little bit longer. Story is powerful. Story engages us. Let's ask people their stories. Let's find out who they are. What they've experienced in their life. The hurts, the pains, the struggles. Now, in coming weeks, I'll help you deal with like, if stuff comes up and they start talking about hard stuff, what do you do? Where do you go next? I'm done. I did the exploring thing. My, my job's over, right? You know, uh, next week is being the guide. These are all very outdoorsy terms. We're in the Northwoods, right? This is like a perfect series for us. I was taught this when I was in seminary. I thought, this is like the ultimate Northwoods evangelism series. <laughs> like, explorer, guide, bridge builder is one of them in, in two weeks. Um... There's good stuff to cover to come. So um, let's call it quits for the morning on that part. And uh, last thing I want to do is we can put the memory verse up there. I, I would love for you to memorize Matthew 9:37 and 38. I don't want to forget to challenge you on this. Talk about it when you go home with your kids. Um, he said to his disciples, "The harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers into his harvest field." That's not that hard. And that's a great verse. It reminds you to pray about evangelism. Ask the Lord of the harvest. Talk about that with your kids. You memorize it. It's on your notes. Um, and then I'll put you on the spot and see who can say it. And uh, will there be a prize? I don't know. But uh, maybe there will be. Maybe there will be. Who knows? Uh, we'll see. So uh, let me pray for us. Jesus, Jesus, uh, Thanks for your model of exploring a sinful woman's life. There were so many boundaries that you stepped over in talking to her.